I realize that nothing we've been doing is new. We haven't been tapping into new areas of the brain. We've just been awakening the most ancient. This technology is simply a route to powers that conjurers and alchemists used centuries ago. Human race lost that knowledge and now I'm reclaiming it through virtual reality. A simple gardener transforms into a sociopath through the power of virtual reality. Listen as we discuss a sex-positive groundskeeper, the unique ability to program a VCR, and names for the internet that didn't catch on. Then we find out if the lawnmower man stands the test of time. Time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everyone, and welcome to a virtual reality episode of The Test of Time as we talk about the Lawnmower Man. I'm James Brief, and joining me as always is my buddy, my pal, my co host, Alan Noah. How you doing, Al? I'm good. Are all of our episodes virtual reality? No, this one actually, if you uh, take out your special Test of Time uh, virtual reality goggles, uh, which is basically an Oculus 2 virtual reality uh, set, and you turn them on, you can actually see in virtual reality. Not this show or anything, but you can use them to see virtual reality. You can't have podcasts on Oculus, can you? You can. You can listen to this podcast on your phone with your AirPods and then put on your Oculus and you'll hear our podcast as you play Resident Evil 4. But it's not like you're getting a experience through the Oculus with our podcast. It does not, no. We should look into that. You're good at nerd stuff and coding. Why don't you just make us a VR app? You're bad at nerd stuff, but you are a nerd. Why, thank you? I mean, fuck you? That was not a compliment, I don't think. I don't think so. I was insulting you as a nerd. You're not even the good kind of nerd. Um, <laughs> We're both nerds. Do you know the difference between uh, the kind of nerds that you and I are? No. What's the difference? I know more computers, and I don't really know much coding, but a little bit of that. Your nerd powers are, you know, a thousand Simpsons and Star Wars facts. Yeah. I mean, that's a special power. Yeah, it is, isn't it, Al? (laughs) I guess so. I mean, the computer programming thing just never spoke to me i just never was that good at like figuring out that kind of stuff do you remember when it was a really important skill to be good at vcrs at like setting the timer and like knowing how to record multiple shows on different channels like all at once i used to be really good at that and that was a very impressive skill in my family That was an impressive skill in the 80s. You're correct. Yeah. I mean, like, it's completely pointless and worthless now. But I remember if my grandma was going on vacation, she would need to call me and I would have to, like, walk her through it over the phone, which was hard, or go to her apartment and set up her VCR so she wouldn't miss her shows. It was, like, a big deal that I could do that 
not everyone could do that. And I mean, I guess nowadays my kids are very good at computers and internet and they know how to have a Google Meet or a Zoom or do anything like that online, whereas my parents don't. And, you know, my parents can ask my kids like, well, what do you do with the Zoom? Well, look, here's the first thing you do. You got to mute yourself. You type in your name over here. You have to do this. You have to do that. And, you know, my parents don't get it and my kids do. I don't know. I guess by the time they're adults and they have kids, that kind of skill will be obsolete and there will be something else. Maybe hacking into a VR mainframe kind of a situation. Maybe Job from uh, Long War Man will be reality. Not virtual reality, but reality reality. Maybe. So this is a movie that you said you'd never seen before. No, this is a film I'd, I'd never seen before. But to me, that is surprising because you're a nerd. I was really into this movie when it came out because I was a nerd. And it was all about nerd stuff, virtual reality. So it like immediately piqued my curiosity. And that to me is why it's surprising that you hadn't seen it. Um, let me give you a synopsis of, of the short story that this film uh, is based on. So it's a short story in a Stephen King collection of uh, short stories. It's like five pages or something about a guy who uh, he needs his lawn mowed. So he, he calls a lawnmower service he's never heard of in the phone book. It's a reasonable rate. So they come over. But when the guy looks outside, the lawnmower is driving itself. And this guy is crawling naked behind the lawnmower and just eating the grass. He tells the guy, oh, yeah, 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 my boss, uh, Pan, he teaches us how to do this. And, you know, we, we could teach you too if you want to. And the guy's like, uh, okay. The guy gets back to mowing the lawn, you know, eating the grass and everything. And while the person who hired him calls the police and says, there's a naked crazy man in my backyard. And suddenly the phone goes out and the lawnmower guy is like, you shouldn't have done that. And then he basically sicks the lawnmower on the man who called and the police find him all over the house, and part of his body is in the birdbath. And that is the end of the short story. Mm -hmm. Now let me tell you about Lawnmower Man, originally called Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man, and see if you can tell why Stephen King launched a lawsuit against them. So the 1992 film is about a, uh, a scientist, Dr. Larry Angelo. He's a brilliant scientist who studies virtual reality. And he recruits Job, a simple-minded landscaper, to begin using his experimental VR techniques. Soon, Job finds that he has become smarter, but he soon gains more than just intelligence. He can read minds, he can move objects with his thoughts, and even more. Job wants to become a messiah in the digital age, and only Larry can stop him. Or can he? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So I remember that this movie was a at least modest hit. I feel like it did okay, at least. Yeah, I was shocked that this film was as successful as it was. I recalled it was a flop. But then again, there was a sequel. So, you know, it had to have made some money. Yeah, the uh, sequel was a flop. 
Yeah, th this film actually uh, only cost $10 million to make, uh, which I was surprised by, because at the time, you'd think these were cutting-edge uh, graphics. But you know what? I mean, we, we use this as a benchmark, but Terminator 2 came out that year, or the year before, and that's way better than this. So, oh, yeah. you know, Jurassic Park, that was going to come out a few months after this, and that's way better than this, too. So yeah. maybe they used a budget uh, special effects uh, company. But it opened at number two with $7 million, eventually making $33 million domestically. Um, I thought it was interesting, the number four film that opened that weekend, do, do you know what it was? It, it was a movie starring uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. as a boxer. You probably never heard of this film. That doesn't ring a bell at all. Now, I might be mispronouncing this name, but the movie is called Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but not the Russell Crowe Gladiator. Correct, correct. Okay. But the movie starts out with text on screen... And I took a picture of it while I was watching the movie because I was like, this is hilarious from a test of time perspective. I'm just going to read it. By the turn of the millennium, millennium is spelled wrong, by the way. It's got uh, only one N. That is a typo. Uh, and it also should have a comma after it. But by the turn of the millennium, a technology known as virtual reality will be in widespread use. It will allow you to enter computer generated artificial worlds as unlimited as the imagination itself. Its creators foresee millions of positive uses, while others fear it as a new form of mind control, dot, dot, dot. So right out of the gate, the movie has like barely started, and that doesn't stand the test of time. That by the turn of the century, millions of people would be plugged into virtual reality all the time didn't really happen. A couple problems I have with this opening uh, text. One, it's completely unnecessary. Just basically say that. Like, use it in some exposition. Like, early on in the film, we'll figure out what it is when the guy puts on goggles and then he sees a cartoon-looking world. It's just an unnecessary introduction. It's not like one of these post-apocalyptic worlds where you have to explain there was a flood and now there's no food left and plants are a hot commodity. Like, this is all obvious, like, very quickly into the film. But the, the opening scene is actually nothing to do with virtual reality. It's about monkeys. Well, it has to do with virtual reality because the monkey has been made into a weapon by going into this VR training. Right. And so now he's escaping the VR lab. And the way that they shoot this is like... I thought laughable. They just do like a lot of extreme close-ups. There's a lot of like the camera is low. So you know it's from the monkey's point of view. And you see like the monkey's eyes a lot. It's just like very clearly done with as little monkey <laughs> in the shoot as possible. But we find out that this monkey was Dr. Larry Angelo's prime subject. And because he was trying to escape, a security guard shot him. And he's very upset by this. All of his work, his life's work has been destroyed. And uh, he ends up going on a hiatus from work because he's so upset by it. I feel like they should call that a sabbatical. To me, a hiatus is like a show takes a hiatus. Something takes a hiatus, but a person would take a sabbatical. I'm not sure, but what I really need to talk about is this name. This character's name is Larry Angelo. It's played by a mid-90s Pierce Brosnan. Mm -hmm. A few years before he was cast as Bond. Right, right. Now, he is 
classy, debonair. Uh, I mean, he was supposed to be James Bond before Timothy Dalton, right. but then he played Remington Steele. You know what? When I look at someone who looks like Pierce Brosnan and talks like Pierce Brosnan, I believe his name could be Remington Steele before <laughs> I would believe his name is Larry Angelo. <laughs> like, I mean, this is not a woman who maybe married into it. Her name is now Angela. Like, when you cast Pierce Brosnan, change his name. Every time they say Larry in this film, it's really weird. Call him Lawrence. Actually, his name is Lawrence Angelo. Yeah. But they call him Larry. It's really weird. It's not like he like uses an American accent in this film, then it could be Larry. No, he has his British accent and he's Larry Angelo. Are you just thinking of Cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers and, and that's why it bothers you so much? Cousin Larry. No, a Balky Bartokamus and uh, Cousin Larry, no. If the answer is no, then what you should have said is, don't be ridiculous. Of course not, that'll don't be ridiculous. No, it's too late. You blew it. Uh, but because Larry, now I'm just going to keep saying Larry to annoy you. His boss at the Virtual Reality Institute, uh, VSI, I think it's called, they are funded by this government agency that's called The Shop, which is weird because they specifically say it's a government agency. So shouldn't it be like, you know, Department of Defense or something like that, not The Shop? Well, The Shop is something that's in Stephen King novels. Apparently what I read is that there was a... Uh, script by what was it New Line Cinema I think I uh, had this film and they had something called um, Cyber God and then they bought the rights to Stephen King's short story I think they just slapped this on there and you know oh, okay. I, I think they tried to put in the shop because the shop is this like evil government agency and in the Tommyknockers and some other films I think they tried to make it like some kind of continuity with the Stephen King universe but the leader of the shop is a guy that they only refer to as the director, except for when the other guy calls him Mr. Director, which just made me laugh. Like, call him director, call him the director, don't call him Mr. Director, that's just funny. And you recognized who the director was, I assume. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, Dean Norris, uh, known as Hank for the DA agent, brother-in-law from Breaking Bad. Yes, exactly. And, like, he's on, like, a video screen, and it always is just, like, a really close-up shot. You know, like, if you had, like, a Zoom meeting with someone today, and they, you saw that much of their face, you'd just be like, dude, sit back in your chair a little bit. So, you're skipping one thing, uh, is that when we first meet Larry... We see Pierce Brosnan shirtless in bed. He's smoking a cigarette. He smokes a lot of cigarettes in this film. Oh, yeah. And did you notice something that is a facial feature of his? You could say oh. almost the side of his face. Oh, his earring? Yes. Pierce Brosnan has an earring in this film. You know, it's like a remnant. Like, I feel like this script was probably written for, like, the late 80s. And, like, by 1992, was it still cool for men to have, like, one earring? Well, we started the episode talking about what big nerds we are. I don't know that I'm an authority on what was cool, especially in the 90s. Well, did you have an earring right then? Uh, I never had an earring. Then it might have still been cool then. Oh, oh burn. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got me. Yeah, Larry has an earring. And his wife's all mad at him, and he's at home. He's playing on his virtual reality set, and it's just like globules like it just it kind of looks like what we saw in uh fantastic voyage with the blood cells except it's like 
digital, but it's still just blobs. A lot of the uh, special effects, to me, look like a Windows 95 screensaver, which, you know, this is 1992. So Windows 95 is, of course, three years in the future for this. To us, it's, you know, a crappy, uh, you know, 25-year-old Windows operating system. But it's lame. It's not that the graphics are dated. It's just kind of like, all right, you, you turned, like, a face into a circle. Yeah, it it is lame. I 100% agree with you. The game with all the blobs that he's playing is called Floating, Falling, Flying. And then his wife walks in and is like, well, what's next? Fucking? Uh, No, what's next is foreshadowing. Because later there will be fucking in the virtual reality. So she is right, but it's also foreshadowing. Um, But the wife is pissed. She's still mad because he's playing his virtual reality games and she wants to like go into the city or something and he's ignoring her. Right, and she's like, you're too into this machine. And he replies, but it's going to change the world. Uh, I get it, I get it, I get it. Well, I mean, he should just uh, read the title card at the beginning of the movie and explain it that way. And now we meet one of the main characters of this film. This character, Job, is played by an actor named uh, Jeff Fahey. I happen to instantly recognize him because I happen to be watching the series right now, a uh, second run of probably his most famous role. Did you recognize him from anywhere? Lost? Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the pilot in Lost. And it's not really clear uh, whether he's just kind of a, a slow adult or whether he has some kind of intellectual disability. He's uh, this poor guy who's really being taken advantage by everyone in his life. He lives in like a church of some sort, but the priest like abuses him violently. And then he works uh, for a landscaping company, which is basically how he's a lawnmower man. Eh? Well, the guy who he works for Terry is nice to him. He's one of the few people in the movie who is just always, always nice to Job. His brother is the priest, and so his brother beats the shit out of him. But Terry, who owns the landscaping company, he looks after Job. He provides Job this job. He's never mean to Job. Right, right, right. He's never mean to Job, but there's a neighbor who's beating his wife and kids and always screaming at them, and Job, you know, he's he's seeing this, and he definitely doesn't like it, but he has no means to retaliate in any way. You recognize the kid, his friend Peter, right? Yes, yes, that's uh, Austin O'Brien. We we recognize him, of course, from uh, Last Action Hero. Right. And he apparently was the only actor from this movie who went on to do Lawnmower Man 2. No one else bothered with the sequel except him. And I did read about the uh, sequel. The sequel is called, originally called, Lawnmower Man 2 colon Beyond Cyberspace. Anything with cyber is so lame. But then it was eventually released on home video as Lawnmower Man 2, Job's War. So I guess that's actually a better title than Beyond Cyberspace. Uh, They're both pretty stupid. One, you don't cringe and go, that had to have been made in the late 90s. Yeah. But the kid's father isn't mean to Job, but he's mean to his kid, Peter, who is Job's friend. There's also a guy at the gas station that they go to because, you know, a lawnmower company, they need a lot of gas for their equipment. And the guy at the gas station is a, a jerk to Job. So there's a lot of people who are shitty to Job. But Larry decides while he's on this hiatus from work, he's going to do experiments on Job and basically make him smarter with this VR training. And it's not at all clear 
how this works because he straps on the headset and then Larry is like manipulating his hands in the air and like fleeing stuff. And we see in the virtual reality that like stuff is going towards a brain and it's like, you know, these symbols and things and it's making Job smarter. I get it that it's a sci-fi movie and all right, you're just supposed to just accept it. But like, it's a virtual reality headset. It's on your head it doesn't connect to your brain in any way. Is it just that like by seeing these things, it gets into your brain through your eyes? I just thought that was really weird. It's not uh, explained at all, but between the time that this film came out and when I saw it, a little movie called The Matrix came out. And The Matrix very easily explains how you can be in one of these uh, virtual reality worlds and instantly learn kung fu and, and other languages and how to pilot a helicopter. But that's because they explain that there is a wire connected right into your spinal cord. Virtual reality, I mean, you and I both have Oculus uh, systems. It's a really cool system, but it's basically just a really close-up television set to your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> there is no other input. They could have at least had some kind of, like, you know, put, like, a sticker on your heart and pretend this EKG thing is something-something DNA. You know, say something technobabble. But you're right, they don't even attempt to explain how this works and now i wouldn't say everyone uses a vr headset but you know everyone's seen these things and it's like not going to change your brain you know right it might give you a headache but it's not going to change your brain exactly exactly um while he's getting smarter he meets this woman named marnie and apparently her husband died and now she likes having sex with you know younger guys and the jerk at the gas station is like don't you dare insult her. Don't you dare call her a whore. And Terry, you know, Job's nice boss, is like, I didn't call her a whore. Whores do it for money. She has sex because she enjoys it. He's not saying it in like a mean way about Marnie. Terry's just saying it in like a way of, hey, Job, I think she likes you. She enjoys having sex. Maybe this would be a good thing for you to have sex. But then, you know, the jerk gets upset and like knocks him over. I thought Terry was just being like a very sex positive groundskeeper absolutely i mean this woman wants to be with job let her be with job exactly the innuendo is pretty damn laughable when she doesn't recognize job at first because since he's gotten smarter he's also gotten better looking his hairdo is fixed his clothes change and he is wearing like overalls and like it's like are you serious? And then, of course, he goes into, like, he is jacked once he gets smarter. I don't know if he was jacked beforehand, but he is really, really ripped afterwards. And his hairdo is better and his clothes are better. Right. He's wearing tight jeans and stuff. And she she doesn't recognize him. So when he says, oh, I'm the guy who mows your lawn, she says, oh, well, I'm looking forward to having my lawn mowed. You know, like, wink, wink. Get it? Yeah. But, like... We do have to talk about the sex scene. I remember the sex scene between Marnie and Job because I saw this movie for the first time as a 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, and uh, there's boobs in it. You're right. There there are boobs in it. And I'll say th there's a pretty intriguing uh, concept here. You know, what would someone who, who didn't have much intelligence suddenly is intelligent and maybe is more sexually aware or is actually able to do anything? 
But, oh, my God, the dialogue during this uh, scene. You know, I mean, the guy can be obviously scared and, and ignorant. He doesn't know what's going on. Like like Forrest Gump. I know you weren't a big fan of that movie, but you remember that scene where he first has the, why is he getting aroused around uh, Jenny? And then he, he, uh, he climaxes around Jenny. It's all very scary to him. He doesn't, you know, you understand, oh, this is someone who doesn't understand this. Yeah. This, this scene, wow. I mean, the dialogue from the woman, which is like, Give me your tongue. And then she grabs his hands and she puts his hands on her breasts and she goes, soft. And then she grabs his groin and she goes, hard. Wow. Uh, Forrest Gump, this was not. I mean, it was just as bad as Forrest Gump. I oh, God. That's, uh, yeah. You're going to say that that scene was as bad as the, as the sex scene in Forrest Gump? Uh, you walked right into that one. Yeah. Um, but, like, you understand some of the changes that are going on with Job, that he's more intelligent. And, okay, maybe it makes sense that he would wear better clothes and comb his hair more now. But then he starts being able to read other people's minds he can hear their thoughts and just like i don't think it makes any sense that wearing a vr headset could make somebody smarter i don't see how it makes any sense that if you're smarter now you can read other people's minds this is like that thing we were talking about a little bit in the defending your life episode where it's like oh you only use a certain part of your brain but if you use more of your brain you can do more things like well, first off, that's not really true. But even if it was true, if your brain had more potential and you could do more things with your brain, that wouldn't include reading other people's thoughts. They sort of try to explain it because he says, I've unlocked ancient parts of our brain. I thought that was a very odd word for him to use as in like, we've forgotten this technique. Um, I, I don't think people in, in you know Babylon were using their minds to create the hanging gardens. I mean, it's a weird word to use. I think they were almost there. Yeah, the ten percent of your brain thing is is weird, but they just didn't give us that one line of of explanation. Well, I mean, I think the way that you could write it would be if you said, "I am now so smart that I can." guess what other people are thinking based on what I know about that person and their past behaviors and their nonverbal cues and basically an algorithm, right? Like you can right. accurately predict what someone is thinking or doing, but that you can literally hear the thoughts of a stranger. No, that's too stupid. Then he also becomes telekinetic like he can move things with his mind again that's not how the brain works if you're the smartest person in the world you can't make things move with your thoughts it's just not right it's distractingly stupid i mean it's one of the only things that have to do with the uh the short story actually which is that the lawnmower man and that mows the lawn telekinetically but for completely different reasons not because his brain is advanced uh, or anything like that also, when Job is making the lawnmower move with just his thoughts, he's doing a terrible job. Like, the lawnmower is just kind of, like, going in circles. He's not, like, doing nice, even, back-and-forth rows. 
Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to mow the lawn with your mind, at least do a good job. Okay, fine. <laughs> Homeowner. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I do love when he brings Marnie, his, his now, I guess, girlfriend. He brings her to the lab to plug her into the VR. And he says, get ready for the ride of your life. And do you remember what she says back to him? You're the ride of my life. <laughs> that that one's not as good as I look forward to getting my lawn mode. No, and, and then they create a, yet another rule of the virtual reality machine, which is that if you're killed in this VR world, you sort of might die in the real world. Like Job sort of kills her, or he like violently attacks her in the VR world, and her brain gets totally messed up. She's really like weird when he wakes her up. Yeah, uh, they say that she's laughing all the time and she's just never going to stop laughing. Um, he kind of like VR rapes her like they're they're having sex and then it like starts getting weird and she says, no, no, stop. And he just keeps going. And then, yeah, like he, he attacks her and it messes her up in the real world. It's a weird thing to just do with a character to just kind of like discard her like that. But Larry realizes what's happening with Job and he says that he needs to just stop doing the treatments or dramatically slow down the treatments and he had been working with Job in his like home setup but now he needs to go back to the main lab the VSI lab but that's where you know the shop is funding the work and so the Mr. Director Dean Norris guy is ordering that Larry's boss use this aggression program which is what they were using on the chimp from the beginning of the movie it's basically the thing you see in every sci-fi movie the cliche of oh there's technology let's make it a weapon and then the one scientist says no it's not a weapon we should use it for good and the people who have the money are saying no no we want the weapon you've seen that in like a million other movies oh of course of course and uh, Job, he's now going rogue. He goes into the lab on his own. They do the, the this injection gun, you know, which is where they put the liquid vial on top of what looks like a gun. And you press it right into your neck. And you just press the trigger and a little bit is injected into you. Yeah, those things don't exist. I mean, sure. And I get why that bothers you because you're a doctor. But with all the ridiculously stupid shit in this movie that I was like, okay, fine. Maybe there's a syringe gun that this the advanced lab has. They get $10 billion from the government. Okay. I think it's cool. They're, they're, they're very cool. I know it doesn't work, but uh, it's not real. But then Joby plugs back into the VR. And do you remember this, uh, this old um, MP3 player called Winamp? Of course I do. That was like a revelation. That was how I listened to music freshman year in college was Winamp. Do you remember the tagline? No. You don't remember a Winamp? It really whips the llama's ass. You don't remember that? No, really? I promise there are listeners that remember that out there. Because when you first downloaded Winamp, that would be the first sound that you always heard. Really? Yes. Here it is, just folks who don't remember it. It really whips the llama's ass. I don't remember that at all. That was just like when you downloaded it the first time? Yeah, yeah. It was the first uh, MP3 that opened up. Oh, I, I don't remember that. I just remember using that to play all the MP3s that I legally purchased. 
legally through legal means through your friend Bob Napster uh yeah sure do you remember when you would turn on like the uh the visualization screen and it would kind of create like a sort of like a screensaver look based on your music yeah yeah that's what a lot of these VR scenes look like it just looks like a lot of like Jackson Pollock in 3D it's just a lot of like splashy colors and you know one of these look what we could do with a computer it doesn't really do anything but look what we could do Right. And while Job is in the VR machine at VSI trying to make himself even smarter and unlock more of his brain, Larry and his boss go to see Mr. Director in person. That's when Larry finds out that they have been using these aggressive weapon protocols that he thought they weren't using, but his boss switched it because the director told him to. And Larry like storms out. He's really pissed off. And then director Dean Norris, he sends his goons after Larry. And Larry is able to like disarm a government guy goon who's got a machine gun and At first, when you see that scene, you're like, oh, yeah, well, of course he can do that. I mean, that guy looks exactly like James Bond. But then I was like, no, he's not James Bond. He's a scientist. How does he evade all of these government agents? He does it pretty easily. He gets away from all of these goons like it's not really a big deal. It's a very good point. Who knows? Meanwhile, Job goes on a revenge spree and he goes to the church and he gets revenge on the the priest that's been beating him by setting him on fire, which looks really bad. I mean, it looks like a mid-80s effect. It really looked bad. It's like digital early 90s, not even fire. It's just like glowing orange and yellow lines and and then he just spontaneously like the next scene you see his charred body like in ashes yeah that one's pretty bad then he goes to the bully at the gas station you see like in his mind he has like a lawnmower thing eat the guy's brain so the guy isn't dead but now the lawnmower man is in you basically just meaning that i guess he's going to be slow now and he will never be fixed it will be with him forever like okay then he goes to his friend peter's house and remember peter's dad is abusive so he with his brain makes peter and the mom fall asleep then he sends in the lawnmower to attack peter's dad and this is like the thing from the short story where the lawnmower is going around the house and eventually kills the guy I didn't think he needed to put the uh, the mother and the son to sleep, but I like that he did. I thought that the guy has feelings for this kid, and we'll see that later in the film again. But uh, I like that. I-, I thought that was a nice little touch, actually. Sure, if you don't stop to think about how does he use his brain to make other people fall asleep. Yeah, then it is him being thoughtful before he murders their father, but he's an abusive father and, and husband, so I guess it's okay. But then, you know, when the cops are investigating the the murder of this guy and they know about what happened to the priest and they're talking about these terrible murders and then Job is off in the distance and he looks at the cops and then the cops say, yeah, it's crazy how these accidents happened. And Larry realizes what's going on, that Job is doing all of these horrible things. Larry confronts Job and Job basically confesses his plan which is he wants to become pure energy. He wants to plug into the neural net, which I don't know what the hell that is. 
I, I guess, assume it's the internet. I guess, but like that's just not a phrase that anyone ever uses. Well, I mean, maybe internet hadn't been like the winning word. You know, cyberspace, the information superhighway, the internetwork, and then the internet was the one that uh, stuck. But neural net was in the running? I don't know. I guess not. Who knows? I don't know. But he says that he wants to become a modern messiah, a cyber Christ, I think is the word he uses. And when he gets into the network, his birth cry is going to be every phone in the world ringing at once, which I guess maybe you could say stands the test of time. Just, you know, now it would be cell phones, then it's landlines, but people still have phones that ring. Although I guess if most people have it on vibrate now, it wouldn't... uh, be as loud, you know, because a lot of people would feel something on their leg. Nah, yeah, I guess. It's just a less dramatic birth cry, I guess. So, yeah, then the shop, they decide they're going to send some goons to uh, pick up Job because they've heard that Job is now telekinetic and he's a weapon, obviously a valuable asset. And Job, you know, he, he disposes of these agents quickly, but... I wonder if people in 1992 thought this was cool in the theater. Probably. But I think probably by like 1997 or so, you'd probably think this is super lame. It's as if he takes their bodies and turns them into tennis ball-sized balls, and then they just fly away. Yeah, like he's reducing them to their molecules, maybe? But they're not molecules because they're like large balls it doesn't make any sense it's just a special effect and they decide to do the exact same thing to the second goon like two minutes later like you'd think he would do something else like that doesn't hold up graphically but it's just the same thing yeah then he goes to the vsi headquarters and he attacks everyone there with like vrbs that also looks terrible he gets a ride there from his buddy Terry, and then a security guard is shooting at Joe, but misses and hits Terry, and then he makes that guy blow his brains out. Larry gets a ride to VSI with uh, Peter and his mom, and Larry tells them to drive away, just leave him there, and the mom, like, drives, I don't know, 14 seconds up the road, and then stops and is like, we'll wait here. It's like, no, 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 no. He very specifically told you to get far away, not just go a little bit up the road. And then she falls asleep. And then Peter runs into the lab too. And this is not like before when Joe put her to sleep with his brain powers. She just like nods off. I was seriously wondering if I missed something like where she she was on some kind of drugs or, she, or he put her to sleep again. Because I was like, how the fuck do you fall asleep when you and your kid are like fleeing for your life? Because they're not fleeing for their lives. They should be, but she decided not to and then decided to take a nap right next to a very, very dangerous place. Right, right. It's very weird. It's super weird. So inside, Job has like plugged himself in. He leaves his body. He doesn't need his body anymore. He's pure energy into the machine. But Larry has made a trap basically where Job is in the computers in VSI, but he can't access the outside network. So Job is like in a digital prison kind of like looking for a way out. And Larry sets up all these bombs and he could leave, but then he goes into the machine to like 
I guess, try to talk to him one more time. It's a very stupid move because Job is powerful in the machine. He's powerless to stop Larry in real life. Maybe he just feels guilty about the fact that he did this to Job. So he feels like he should die with him when the bomb goes off. They don't fully explain it. It's just like a stupid thing where, you know, the hero goes to talk to the villain one last time when, no, 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 don't try to reason with him. Just get away. I mean, Larry, I think, feels bad about this monster he's created. So I think he really feels like he's responsible. And, you know, poor Job. He was a simple guy. And I think Larry feels awful about what he's done. I didn't know where he was going to go. I wasn't sure if this was going to be, he was going to be the power-hungry guy, sort of like in that movie Hollow Man that that we saw. Yeah. Or or if the power would corrupt him. But I think in the end, it never did corrupt him. and, And he feels bad about it. So I think that's why he does one last desperate move. Right. But then Peter shows up and the only way that Peter will get out of the building is if Larry goes to help him. So Job stops like beating him up virtually, his avatar or whatever, and he lets him go. Larry's able to get Peter out of there. Although Job helps him, like there's one door that's locked and Job is able to unlock it, even though they said before that Job doesn't have any powers in the physical world anymore. No, he doesn't have telekinetic powers, but he's connected to the computer. And this is seemingly a computer operated lock. So I think he still has powers there. Okay, all right, fine. But yeah, uh, Larry and Peter escape. The building blows up. At the last second, though, it seems like Job does find a way out of this digital prison where he's able to access the network. It's not totally clear if he makes it out before the explosion happens or not. But there's a little scene afterwards where Peter and his mom and Larry are going to go out on the town to do something. Maybe Larry's with the mom now. I know, it's very weird. Like, was there any hint that they were romantically involved earlier? No, and maybe not. Maybe they're just going out to do something fun with Peter. But then the phone rings. And then another phone rings. And it's all of the phones in the whole world ringing at once. (gasps) Job did it. And then the movie ends. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Well, that's the end. Uh, What do you think, Al? Does 1992's The Lawnmower Man, does it stand the test of time? No, it really doesn't. And it doesn't for a lot of reasons. But I think maybe the most glaring one is the way that it talks about virtual reality as this thing that is going to change people's minds and help us evolve and help us communicate and do all of these things, but it might be used for evil too. You better watch out. And 30 years later, virtual reality is more common than it was then. It's not ubiquitous. Like, you know, it's not like a smartphone where like, oh, everybody's got one of those. Some people have virtual reality headsets. It's not like everyone has one. And The people who do have them, it's a game. It's a way to consume media. Yeah, all of these companies are investing in it and the metaverse might be the next big thing. But when you think about what the future of virtual reality will look like, you kind of imagine something more along the lines of Ready Player One, where just a lot of people are going to be going into it to watch movies, play games, and do entertainment-related things. The idea of it unlocking human evolution is laughable. Like, it's just not what it's going to do. 
You know, like if you made a movie in the 80s about video games are a trend and in the future, video games are going to be everywhere. And these video games, they are going to either fix the climate crisis or make it a million times worse. You'd watch that movie now and you'd be like, well, video games are more common now, but the whole climate change thing, that was way off base. That's not a thing. Like what this movie predicted about virtual reality's potential is a complete swing and a miss. They got it 100% wrong. And that's like the basic premise of the movie. It doesn't work. It doesn't stand the test of time. And you were kind of alluding to this earlier about Job and is he just a little slow? Does he have an intellectual disability? I was thinking along those lines, if you made this movie now, you would treat this character with a little bit more respect and not that he is this broken thing that needs to be fixed. I'd seen this movie before, but I I wasn't sure. I didn't remember. I was wondering if at some point Job was going to say, you know what, Larry, Dr. Angelo, you're the villain in this story. You tried to fix me. I wasn't broken. I was fine. I liked who I was before. You ruined me by trying to make me smarter and put all these things in my head. You shouldn't have done that. And that's just not a thing that anyone says or thinks in this movie. It's just not a consideration All of the special effects look horrifically, horrifically dated. It kind of made me think of Fantastic Voyage, where I was like, this movie was made in the 60s, and it sure looks like it. This movie was made in the 90s, and it almost looks like it was made earlier. Like, it just looks bad. I think on every level, it does not stand the test of time. What do you think? You know, it's interesting that you bring up uh, Fantastic Voyage, because I was going to bring up that 60s film as well. And I was going to say that Obviously, any film that's going to be on the cutting edge of technology is going to look dated. I mean, Tron uh, looks dated. Even Tron 2 uh, Legacy that, that they did a couple years ago, which looks still looks beautiful, in 20 years is going to be hokey as hell. And it doesn't necessarily matter, because I know you didn't like Fantastic Voyage, but I did. And I thought that even though the special effects are totally hokey, The story surrounding it was still good enough that I liked the film and I was able to overlook that. This film doesn't have it. What you just said is, actually, I didn't think of it, but that's actually very interesting. If you were to explore from Job's point of view that maybe he's not just broken when he's made too powerful, but maybe he wasn't broken at all to begin with and he gets pissed off about that. And maybe that's why he's mad. And this film... It flirts with greatness a couple times, actually. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about this ridiculous film, Over the Top? And it's a stupid film, but every once in a while it flirts with, why would a father leave their kid? And it doesn't explore it at all. This film, Lawnmower Man, I saw it a couple days ago, but I have been thinking about it a a good amount, actually. Not necessarily for good reasons, (laughs) but... There are some questions in this film that it doesn't answer, but it actually made me think about them. I didn't think of that one that you said, but you know, what would Job think from his point of view? But the film does not touch on that at all. Right. And the shop, very intriguing, actually. I always love these secret societies that are behind everything. They don't explain any of them. Obviously, maybe if you're doing a little sequel bait, you don't explain everything, but they don't do anything there. The film just, in so many ways, just doesn't stand up. But here's the thing. I never saw this film because I remember when it came out, it got atrocious reviews. And 
I went into this film thinking it would be a 1 out of 10. Like the worst film I'd ever seen. I have to say, and this is not, this is not a compliment. This is a two and a half out of ten. I think the film is not absolutely god-awful, but it's a bad film. Yeah. It's a bad film. It's got Pierce Brosnan in it. You know, I generally like him in the film. He has nothing to work with here. You know, I like the premise of Job, but I just don't like what actually happens to him. I feel really bad for him, what the priest does, and everyone's taking advantage of this guy. And there's a little bit in this revenge scene. I like it a little bit, but it's... uh. It's just not fulfilling in any way, and it's not quite the worst film I've ever seen. Is a backhanded compliment, and it's not supposed to be a compliment, but this film overall does not stand the test of time. You do not need to see this film. Let us make the uh, two-hour sacrifice for you. Skip this one. It does not stand the test of time. Let's move on to next week. Well, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about a movie that I think has a better reputation than The Lawnmower Man. We are going to be talking about The Godfather. The movie is turning 50, and so we are going to watch The Godfather, and then The Godfather Part 2, and then, yeah, we're going to watch The Godfather Part 3. James, are you ready? Over the next three weeks, you're going to watch 12 and a half hours of Godfather movies. It's actually not that much. It's only like eight something, but it's a lot. But these are classic movies that we get to revisit. I mean, 50th anniversary. One more man turned 30, but 50, that's a big anniversary. That's worth talking about. As always, we want to hear from you at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know your thoughts about virtual reality, about cyber sex, the word cyber in general. If you've got something more to say to us that's not going to fit in a Facebook post or an Instagram message or a tweet, you can email us. We are at the Test of Time Podcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, testoftimepod.com, and find all of our old back episodes. If you missed a couple, better catch up before we hit the big 300 and we'll see you next time everybody bye